Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you. Whether you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years, there is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. You make this show possible by clicking through our Brownells and Amazon affiliate links. The next time you order online, go to AR15Podcast.com and click through our Brownells and Amazon affiliate links. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and a small portion of your sale goes to supporting pro-gun radio like the AR15 Podcast. Support the Firearms Network as a whole by pledging your support at patreon.com slash frn. Welcome to episode number 129 of the podcast. And uh, tonight we're joined by Steve Fisher of Sentinel Concepts, and he's going to be talking with us about carving training. Steve, how are you doing? Great, Reed. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Welcome to the show. Uh, uh, Anthony... Uh, uh, or no, uh, JW speaks very highly of the training that he gets from you. So uh, uh, we're we're excited to have you come on and uh, kind of help us uh, understand uh, training uh, with an AR and and what it really looks like uh, in today's world as far as what most of our listeners are going to be able to have access to. Excellent, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Well, we appreciate you joining us. So, uh, JW, since you're the one that puts us all to shame in terms of current training, why don't you? Oh, uh, I wouldn't say training. I just, I get to burn more rounds than you do. Um, I just try and sneak out every weekend I can. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're always talking about gear, putting together builds. Um, but it's not too often that we get to talk about actually going out and learning how to use these things. Um, Putting it together and getting your rifle zeroed is a little different than actually knowing how to use it and how to hit things and how to get moving around and um, kind of move beyond just grouping on a bullseye. Um, so Steve here uh, is somebody I have trained with before. Uh, he is, I guess, president, CEO, something like that, of Sentinel Concepts and... Uh, he does a lot of work here at the range in Alliance, Ohio. Uh, it's only, it's like less than two hours away from me in Pittsburgh. And so he runs, um, shoot house classes, vehicle CQB classes. Um, we'll get into that. Um, but Steve, could you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah. Um, you know, most relevant, uh, for, you know, since about 2010, I was uh, one of the primary instructors at Magpul Dynamics. Uh, previous to that, I worked for a sheriff's office in uh, Michigan for about 15 years. Uh, currently, I hold a reserve commission with another agency, uh, mainly for the training aspect and to keep myself current uh, with their SWAT Narcotics Task Force. I'm currently the owner of Sentinel Concepts. Cool, cool. How, how has that been going so far? Have you been doing it for, what, a year or two? Yeah, uh, broke away, um, you know, 2014, I started it up. Uh, it's been really good, overwhelming response. The, the classes have been, you know, like anything in this community, you know, it has an up and down swing. The classes have been pretty consistent across the board with students. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a good time and having fun and enjoying life. Now, is Sentinel just you or do you have other instructors you bring on board? How's it work? 
you know, primaries myself, I have uh, one instructor that I, you know, was doing a lot, a lot of work with who would come in, um, myself and Will Petty. Uh, Will is actually the brain trust behind the uh, vehicle CQB classes. Uh, Will recently, which was just an absolutely awesome move for him, uh, sent on board with Casa Ludus, a.k.a. Chris Costa's training company. Uh, so he's primarily now running the LE division for that. I will still be assisting Will from time to time with classes when he needs help and when our schedules kind of blend. Cleaning and his war sports and his, uh, saline golden, golden glocks. The salient guns. Yeah. Sorry, bro. No, the, the war sport, the, the, the LOVA, awesome carbine. The SAI gun, not impressed, dog. Not impressed. But anyway, that's a personal opinion. Doesn't matter to me. Um, as long as he likes it, that's cool. But no, you know, it was a good move for Will. Um, you know, he took over, started doing the stuff for Costa this year. Uh, on the backside of that, I also, you know, do some work. We have, um, uh, bringing on board this year a, uh, kind of another instructor to handle some women's programs as well this year, which is already in the works and it's up on the website. Uh, Tatiana Whitlock from ID Target Systems. She's, um, known through the NRA programs, uh, women on target girl again there's a lot of programs she's been involved with summits for beretta she also writes for some uh, other magazines and related articles and featured uh you know publications uh, she'll be handling a lot of women's programs this year as well for us kind of you know trying to bring that side of the house and get them involved more so it's a really good thing you know things are looking up this year we'll be really excited for 2015 16 year to finish up so hey awesome. steve um yes sir tell me what is it that kind of drew you from yeah, the in the trenches to training? Oh man, long time ago, you know, I, I, I grew up as a hunter, big hunting family, always have had a gun around the house in my hands, you know, from the time I was, geez, my first gun I got when I was five years old was a Remington Nylon 66 22 rifle. Uh, always been in the shooting sport, shooting community of some sort. I've enjoyed it from trap, skeet shooting, um, to bird hunting, to large game. And then, you know, late nineties, I really found that I wasn't as good as I thought I was based on previous experiences and handling of guns and all the awesomeness that everybody always tells them that they're so good about. And I kind of dove into it really, really deep. Um, started shooting a lot more matches, seeking out more training, really trying to understand the things I didn't know or the things that I refused to open up myself to without that, you know, that so-called ego kind of thing. I was like, ah, I'm dude, I'm this, I'm this, I'm fast, I can shoot well, I can do all these things. Then I realized I'm just making brass on the range. I'm really not doing anything structured. I'm not educating myself and I'm not really learning. Um, late nineties, early two thousands, I, Joined a company, was an instructor for them called the NTFT. Uh, we did a lot of progressive training. That was at the time in the state of Michigan, one of the only companies around uh, that was doing it. 2000-ish, I started um, my first original company, MDFI, uh, which I later turned over and sold to my two senior instructors at the time, uh, Keith and Trek. Absolutely awesome dudes. They've, they've taken over the program, just grew it exponentially as their own full-time business when I left and went to Mag. So in the process between the 90s and 2000 eras, I've taken countless, countless numbers of classes to the point where I just can't even see straight anymore looking at certificates. Um, you know, I've, I've done it as an assistant instructor for a couple of years with uh, EAG. I've done stuff for Beretta. 
and you know a few others in the industry as well that are friends, buddies that I've helped out with as well in their programs. So, so it sounds like it was just a long evolution of uh, uh, a passion. <laughs> it, it's still going because it never ends. The minute you stop being a student, you're wrong. It, honestly, you know a lot of instructors out there are phenomenal dudes and they're set in their ways and they have their way of doing things. I never see them in a class. I don't see a lot of guys at packages. And myself personally, I try to get three to five classes in a year. So yeah, always learning. You have to. Okay. Um, diving right into kind of the main topic here. Why, why do we train? Um, guys, you'll hear, oh, well, I know I can hit the broadside of, of a barn. Uh, I can knock a duck out of the sky. Uh, what's so different about picking up an AR and slinging a couple rounds down range. Um, what do you say to guys like that? Uh, you know, everybody is a tough guy on the internet or an expert until you put them on the range, until you get them to show up and put up, which honestly, I really don't care either way if they do or they don't. But the biggest thing is this people have a tendency to run their mouths more than their gun, you know, show up. Hey, cool on you, come take a class, learn something, keep the ego in check, you're there to download the instructor's brain, their knowledge, and you're there to learn. I mean, it's like going to college. You go to college to learn, and that's realistically what it is. And that's why you come to class. You don't come to class to play technical fantasy band camp. You're not there for all these little cool guy, hang out, be friends, buddies kind of moments which do develop. But your primary objective is to be there to learn how to efficiently use, operate, manipulate, and work that carving. So, Steve, when you're uh, when you're getting ready to put on a, a course, I mean, mm-hmm. is your mindset kind of directed towards you know, what it takes to most effectively provide a student with that download, or are you do you have like a a, a rote, tried and true um, I guess plan, a syllabus, you know, something that basically sets you in your groove and, and takes you through that course for the, the, the weekend. I have a baseline of exercises and scenarios that I, that I have that I used. Every class is different because the student base changes every class. Uh, you may have a dude who's got, you know, 30 years on the job as a firearms instructor for XYZ department or agency. And then in the same line at the opposite end of it, you could have a 12-year-old kid who's there with his dad who's shooting an M&P 1522 rifling class. Uh, you know, so I have a baseline of exercises, graded evolutions, and exercises, and then scenarios that I like to run with the students for performance enhancement, as well as kind of a baseline of performances for them to grade and have a standard of to use later on to kind of show their progression or if they have progressed or where they're starting to fall back on previous training issues and scars. So, you know, yeah, there is a baseline. There is something that I do look for that to start with that goes right out the window the first 15 minutes of class, to be honest. <laughs> it's just like, yep, soup salad. You know why it's a soup salad? Because it's worse than a soup sandwich, bro. I'm just telling you. <laughs> so. Now, one of the things that Anthony um brought up was when you start looking at these things, what is a typical investment that you're looking at? Is it like 50 bucks for a weekend? Is it like $1,500 for a weekend? What What's kind of the range that guys should be looking at? 
you, you know, that's hard. You're, you're basically paying for that instructor and that instructor's knowledge. Um, on average, what I've seen across the firearms industry is anywhere from 175 to $200 per day just in class costs for the tuition. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you have range fees depending on where and what the facility offers. Offers They go anywhere from 25 to about $50 a day. Uh, a lot of times some facilities are, hey, you're the instructor, you're coming in, you're going to pay us $5,000 for the weekend. Believe me, I've seen that. Um, you know, and then unfortunately you have to try to recoup that from students and student fees. Uh, you know, like that, that just usually doesn't work out. Um, then you've got time away from home, time away from work, travel, lodging, all those things. You can seriously look at a good two to three day performance package class and you're going to spend $2,500 to 3000 depending on, you know, how extravagantly you like to go guns, ammo, cause Believe it or not, people actually go out and buy new gear to go to classes with and try it out and do cool guy stuff. Don't get that. But you know, that, that's your thing. You know, you want to buy some cool guy stuff and you want to come try it out, bro, have at it. You know, I, I don't care. So, I mean, generally you look at, let's just call it a three-day class, 600 to $700 for the three days. Uh, you know, three, let's call it $400 in ammunition travel depending on where you're going to or from you know if you're driving not a big deal tank or two of gas hotel at $89 to $200 a night depending on what your price point is and what's in the area so it it adds up fast and it is a commitment and a lot of guys don't take full use of that commitment or get the most out of it that they possibly can because they're just kind of there to do things you know they're not really there to be serious or they're filling their safe with safe queens yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that. I've got this M4 carbine, and it's great, and I've got Velcro on the case deflector, so it's brand new, dude. Bro, put it away. Go talk to your mom. Don't want to hear it. Don't need it. Back so, to the basement. Steve, do you guys at this point, I mean, obviously we've been through a whole lot of ups and downs in terms of ammunition, availability, cost, do you approach it and say, we're going to take this seriously? We're going to expect this in terms of how many rounds you should bring with you, what you should expect to shoot, or do you try to lighten the load when you can because that is a big part of it? Right. You know, on, on this and the things I tell students this, you're going to bring 3,500 rounds of ammo for a one-day class. You're going to no. – um, <laughs> Anthony's eyes just got this big, like 3,500 rounds for one day. Yeah. Bell yeah. fed 101. Yeah. Poor, poor Anthony. Um, no, honestly, uh, there was a point in time when I did knock back the round counts slightly. Um, I'm about the, 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 the quality of the repetitions and the runs. There's a lot of things that can be done. Dry manipulation. There's a lot of exercises that we work that lower the round count. Uh, we find, through science and through training and discussions with others in the industry and literally through like performance science studies, most individuals that will show up to a class under perfect conditions, perfect weather, perfect everything will only be able to sustain knowledge in the amounts of 350 to 450 rounds of ammunition per day before they completely fall apart, vapor lock, summits less. Um, I just had a guy this weekend who literally was almost pretty much non-functioning on TD1 run number two of the day. 
because he was so overwhelmed with just knowledge bombs. Blasted, blasted by the fire hose. Uh, yeah, he's like, you know, it was, it was bad, dude. It was, it was horrible. I wanted to just hug him and make him feel better. And then I was like, dude, you signed up for this. Go away. <laughs> you know, you're here to learn, dude. You know, you know, but those numbers can actually decrease based on environment conditions. I mean, you know, we just got done teaching for four days here, you know, 15 hour days. And the temperatures have been in the high 80s, 100% humidity, storms. There, there's some pictures over on that book face thing um, that, you know, I'm literally knee deep in water in the shoot house. I'm like, mm, this is fun. Great. You know, so environmental factors, performance factors, uh, lifestyle factors all take place in that to where I have to start kind of recalibrating, reevaluating where we continue on and where we go with in the class. But the one thing I will not do is I will not sacrifice that 90 to 80 percent of the class for the 10 percent that are just falling behind and failing. Uh, my job, truthfully, as a teacher versus an instructor is to give you knowledge, give you things you can use, give you those tools. But if you read the course description, it's laid out pretty much black and white on the Internet. Guess what, dude? Show up the play ball or sit on a bench. I am not going to hold up the rest of my class for the students that are there to learn and there to perform for you because you think that you are that awesome and you know everything and you've got the most awesomest wonder blaster 7,000 and you read every internet form there is. Can't cut it, dude. I'm not holding back the rest of the class for you. Sorry. So let me me ask one last question. Do you think that there is a point at which – what you pay for a class is a clear indicator of what you're getting in terms of quality. You know, yes and no. That there's 10 million dudes putting their hat out in this industry right now. To quote, the industry is actually so inundated and flooded with instructors. If you keep eating those Smarties, read every time you change the camera and you're not sharing me any dude, we're gonna fight, bro. But no. Um, He's choking on it right now. This is great. There's so many people out there that, that are throwing their their hat in the ring that are like, I was in the military. I was in law enforcement. My, you know, I shot with Uncle Bob for 20 years. I'm an NRA instructor, which is awesome. There's a lot of local, credible talent that are doing one-day classes, which, hey, I will tell you flat out honestly, for years, I was one of those guys that was doing the $150 one day classes, you know, and running those programs. But what I learned over the years was that I was actually not helping my students by doing that. I was forcing too much information too soon, too fast in a compressed package that was actually hurting them where most instructors don't see that. They, they think, okay, cool. We got through point A to point B. The students are tired. They're gassed. They're burned down. They had a great time. But when you start to see performance tanking and nose diving, there's a time that you have to throttle back as a good teacher versus an instructor, which an instructor is somebody who tells you what to do versus a teacher, which educates you. So there is degradation that happens and most instructors don't see it. Because that's what they are. They're parroters. They've gone, taken a class, they've done something, or this is the way they've always been told for years. And it actually truthfully will hurt the performance level of their students. And guys need to witness that. They need to understand it. So, All right. Um, well, I'll pass them to you there, JW. Yeah. I, 
we've got this whole topic of, okay, how do you find a class? And we've already touched on that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but there's definitely some gems, uh, locally. I know I ran into, uh, a guy that put on a little pistol clinic for us and it was like, Hey, I recognize you. Oh, you were on top shot and you're a <laughs> uh, air marshal and you're pretty good shot. And he just lives right on the other side of town. Um, I know that dude is and he absolutely is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I mean, there's guys like that, but otherwise, how, how are students making those connections? Are they seeing, uh, the flashy videos on YouTube? Are they reading on forums? What, what's kind of a good way for guys to connect with trainers? Yeah. Are we measuring the size of the beards to see how good the trainer is? You know, exactly. <laughs> okay. Good. No, it, it, it you know, the, the internet phones are great. Um, take that with a grain of salt, people. You'll see guys. Best class I ever had. This was awesome. I learned so much. It was fantastic. We did all these cool guy drills. And by the end of day one of our basic carbine class, we were doing Hondo rolls. Like, no. Um, the, the problem with that is you'll get guys that have nothing else to judge a class by. They will either stay in their own little bubble and that own little happy place where they become intimately, you know, friendly, overly buddy-buddy with instructors. It's called virgin love is what it is. Let's face facts. And then you get where I'm at with this. They, they become so like, this dude is it. He taught me everything I need to know. This is the greatest thing in the world. And they're failing themselves by not training with others. They, they absolutely are. But, you know, Internet forums are great for that. You can find a lot of things, but you need to look at the AARs, the after-action reports, read through them. Throw out the garbage ones, find the credible ones. There is a ton of local internet forums. You know, every state has their primary shooting forum, you know, area that talks about, you know, their local instructors to regional to national instructors that come in and train that are, that are being hosted. Um, you know, all those things are invaluable tools. The, the internet is just inundated literally and flooded with these kind of things. It's out there for you. But the biggest thing is also word of mouth. You know, call the instructor up, email, talk to them, you know, get the information that you need that you want versus what somebody else is telling you on the Internet. That's the biggest priority that I find. I I get 10 emails a day from guys asking, hey, I've been to XYZ classes, so is it okay if I come to, you know, ABC class of yours? I'm like, yeah, but I've never really heard of these dudes. Let me look them up, see what's going on, talk to them. Um, yeah, bro. Hey, you're fine. Good deal. You know, they, they said you were a solid student. You didn't have any problems, no safety issues. And then, yeah, absolutely not a problem. But get out there, do the research, do the homework, find it. And, you know, don't get in the habit of, well, this guy said this was the most awesome class he had. And then 33 pages later, there's dudes asking, well, who else have you trained with? Oh, it was my first class and it was really awesome and it was great. And okay. Yeah. That doesn't count, but they're still standing in point. Yeah. Um, I think the AARs are huge. Uh, that's something I definitely listed here looking for guys that have students that went to their class that are willing to write them and take the time to do that. Um, not even as just a filter for classes, but as, a class in itself. I mean, you're learning from what guys learned that paid and went to the class. It's just a, a knowledge dump for you without even having a fork out a dime. Yeah, it absolutely is. And the other thing that the AARs really do provide when you actually sit back, it's like 
remember going to school and you'd take notes and then you'd like come back and you'd type them out for all your, you know, whatever papers and so forth. <clears throat> Those after action reports, as you flesh out what you have learned or what you just kind of short noted yourself or bullet pointed at class really gives you a refresh and a reboot in your own brain as well as the things you needed to work on, the things you performed well at, the things you sucked at, and what you really need to start setting your goals to reach for. Those, act- those after-action reports are invaluable tools for others, but mainly for yourself to kind of reboot your brain to get you to think about those things. So to, to me, they're absolutely it, totally valuable tools that you should have and use and look for and read. One of the other sources that um, I've kind of been running into lately is facilities themselves are putting up their own pages with calendars of instructors that are rent and range time. And I mean, if it's a, say a, a top name instructor, you see that they're training at some facility, go to that facilities website, see who else is training there. They're probably not just letting everybody in onto their range. No, absolutely not. I mean, I mean, some, some range facilities will host, Anybody and everybody, usually the thing that we see with that is they either will book one class really well, and then, you know, 30 days later, they've got this next great instructor coming in, you know, and then they're on top of each other, and then you're only getting 10 guys for this class, 8 guys for this class, uh, 6 guys in this one, and it's hurting everybody across the board. Um, So, but no... Having a good facility that is actually hosting people, you can find them on Facebook, like um, personal one, you know, facility that we've been at, uh, J-Dub and some others that we know, <clears throat> uh, Alliance PD. Uh, the Alliance Police Training Facility is one of probably only 10 in the country that I know of that actually allows vetted citizens to come in and train on their property. Um, they host a lot of good instructors there, um, <clears throat> you know, EAG Tactical, LMS, other entities come in as well. Uh, myself, I teach there quite a bit. It's a very functioning facility that has, you know, a live fire shoot house, a 300-yard square range, a 75-yard square range, and, you know, about $30,000 worth of steel on it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's an amazing facility. So it offers a lot. So, you know, doing the homework on the facility as well, their Facebook pages, their social media stuff, and what they have to offer you through their calendar year is important, especially for those that are traveling who really need to make these arrangements 60, 90, 120 days plus out. Yeah. Um, I guess let's get into actually prepping for class. We've touched on some of these things as far as try and get yourself squared away beforehand. Um how do you filter kind of that proficiency level? Is it, okay, I've never touched this before. Let me look for classes that have the word beginner in them. Or is there kind of a different way to break uh, that down? Yeah, it's kind of hard. You really have to gut check yourself. Um, <clears throat> it's kind of, sorry, I'm like been yelling at people and talking over the top of, you know, Loud guns all, all for the past couple of days. We had some guys running some like eight inch LWRCs with comps on them. They were amazingly awesome. Um, God, so I'm like, stop. So how are your fillings? Stop. You know, so it was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a little hoarse. <clears throat> um, you know, preparation for the class is, is, is key and that has to start well in advance. Um, it's either physical, mental preparation. Um, you know, gear checklist, go through all your equipment, make sure things are functioning, make sure it's zeroed, make sure you have, you know, a spare bolt carrier for your M4 carbines or whatever it is you're bringing, uh, you know, a secondary handgun, tertiary lights, if there's a low light program, you know, besides weapon mount lights, there's Batteries. just... 
batteries, those things that make things bright when you turn it on, and that little red dot thing in your sight. Those those are critical. Ammo that actually goes pew. Oh yeah, uh, class in West Virginia earlier this year. I had had one dude killed five guns because of ammo. He was toxic. Mm. It was just horrible. I know. Two weeks ago, there was some serious mortar action um, right outside the shoot house. Yes, so. yes, it was. We had, we had a student who, who's been in several classes, who's relatively switched on, uh, chose to skimp on ammunition. You know, had a bunch of some offshore steel case, and before the basement keyboard commandos come out on this, I've shot 80,000 rounds of wolf in a month, and it's never given me a problem. It's phenomenal. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I, I literally had rental gun, loader guns, not really rental guns, that I had in my old program that saw nothing but a steady diet of wolf, and there was problems. That's just factual. I've had other guns that have ran it really well. Um, knowing what your gun likes and will eat and will function with ahead of time is critical. Make sure you showed up with a pre-zero carbine, but the biggest thing of all that I tell students is do not skimp on the ammunition for training. You will only take away your learning time, the time that you will spend on the line shooting, and not only that, but you'll annoy the hell out of the instructor because you showed up with junk. And there's some places that have partnerships with ammo companies where you can actually pay and the ammo will yep. be there waiting for you for the class and you know you're getting something that's going to work. Yeah, absolutely. And, and finding those sources are great. Um, you know, I, I, I recommend several companies to people for that for ammunition requirements. Uh, there's some awesome people in, in this industry that have supported me over the years that are friends that I've seen come up in this, in this business. Um, one of them, Great Lakes Ammunition, uh, you know, they've got a big banner on the side of the Alliance uh, shoot house there. Uh, they offer good discount to students. There's, you know, geez, MagTech, I think, does with some other instructors in the industry. Corbon, you know, ask the instructor. A lot of times if you call the instructors up or you send them an email, hey, is there anybody you'd recommend for ammunition that can drop ship to the class location? Some traveling by air or, you know, it's hard to find locally. Yeah, generally they have a good recommendation for you. And you'd be surprised how many companies or ammunition manufacturers actually have working programs with those instructors that could benefit, you know, the students as well as the instructor. Because obviously the more ammunition we get the students, the more the students come to class and shoot. So, so Steve, when, when you're putting on a course and, you know, if you have some that hasn't been real honest with themselves when it comes to the gut check. How do you handle that? I mean, are you going to give them the benefit of the doubt until they give you reason to, to give pause or do you, I mean, what's your procedure? I eat them alive. I throw them off the range and I shoot their ammunition while they're in their car crying, rocking back and forth in a fetal position. Um, no, to be, to be brutally honest, sign up at sentinelconcepts.com. Sign up at sentinelconcepts. Yes. You're about to get chewed up and spit out. <laughs> no, um, honestly, there's a time because everybody has different levels of performances, performance anxiety. Um, which we usually put on ourselves in some situations. You know, the guy may be a very proficient shooter. As long as there's really no true safety issues, that they're functioning, they're manipulating the gun correctly, they're working, you know, the, their safety's well, they're not muzzle sweeping everybody, they're still learning going on that is occurring, that they are capable of being educated through and helped. 
Um, then there's also that, that other half of the coin where I have to look at it and go, Hey, look, dude, this class might not be just exactly right for you right now. Um, you've paid for it. I can respect that, but here's what I'm going to recommend. Why don't you come in a couple of weeks or next month or whatever the case may be to XYZ class I'm holding. You don't have to pay for that. You've already paid me for this class. I will roll that over into the other class for you. That will be more beneficial. That will help you. That will gain you more experience, more knowledge, more repetition, and more guidance. That will then allow you eight months from now to come back over here and then perform at this level. And those are the things you really have to work with people on. And that, that truthfully has happened a lot over my years of instructing and teaching. Do you find that you get a pretty good response from that? Cause that sounds like a very diplomatic, professional way of handling something that I'm sure can be a little difficult. It is. It's a touchy balance. And as J-Dub knows, I'm a very sensitive person to people's needs. Um, <laughs> it's, um, you know, truthfully, the response as well. There's a time to have fun with people and be joking and relax about things. But when it comes down to all those issues that they're really there for, then it's you really have to break it down for them at some point. It's usually by TD1 lunchtime, you can see where the wheels have fallen off and it's become a train wreck. And it's a train wreck for a lot of reasons. And I use that analogy in class a lot with students. And I'll just kind of go, train wreck? What's a train wreck, you know? And when I break down a train wreck form, they get it. But it's pretty easy. It's a very reasonable thing. You you give them a little bit of that that self-face-saving kind of thing. Um, it's like, look, bro, if you, if you just want to, you know, hey, stay, see what's going on in the rest of the class, you're more than welcome to. If you choose that you want to leave or you want to go and then you can come back later and recycle through, I have no problem with that. You, you know, and that's just that self-awareness and not having an ego and having an understanding that, you know what? Yeah, I kind of went over the deep end on this one just because I, you know, thought, hey, this is going to be a great class. It's close and it's local. And I figured I'd jump on it. But. I don't need to know that and other stuff that they're teaching those other basic classes, you know? Mm. Yeah. Amazing. What are some of those things that um, are key to bring along with you, whether you're flying in or driving in? Um, we kind of touched on batteries, ammo, um, I guess food, water, note taking supplies. What, what do you think? This is a bug on class, J-Dub food, water, <laughs> ammo, a knife, a generator, and multicam so I can survive in the mountains of Florida. Oh, no. Hammock, hammocks, um, I've seen those showing up at lots of classes. Yeah, don't, don't forget the seeds. The seeds. You yeah. need seeds because you'll be able to plant after the EMP burst, bro. Yeah, That's why yeah, I have yeah. a big dog. <sighs> anyway, um, sustainment items for class. You know, hydration is key. Uh, truthfully, you, you know, dehydration will crush you faster than an ex-wife. Um so, so that's a key component. Hydration, water, water, more water, some type of electrolyte replacement drink. Um, I recommend either the Camelback Elixir tablets. They come in two flavors, caffeinated or not. Um, I prefer the decaf. Just going to tell you that right now. There's a great story behind that, and Jacob knows it, I think. Um, or the stuff from Vitalite is absolutely phenomenal. You need it. Not that sweet tea you're drinking over there, Reed. But so <laughs> – but – Hydration is key. Calorie depletion will beat you down just as fast as hydration will, especially in hot weather. People don't like to eat. You need to keep the calories up. You're still expending them. Salty snacks, trail mix, jerky, whatever your preference is. Um, 
a bag chair, pop-up canopy if you're driving. You know, a lot of ranges and facilities that we teach at don't have much shade or, you know, just a space to get out of the weather that that's actually within proximity of the vehicles. So, you know, we're, we're seeing people getting smarter about this now over the years through training that they're like showing up with, you know, a 10 by 10 pop-up canopy, a couple of fold-out bag chairs, uh, coolers. You know, I, I've been on the road now for the past five odd weeks. I've had a Yeti cooler in the back of my truck and literally, you know, 10 days worth of ice in that thing. And the water that is in there is so cold. It's not even funny. You know, a, a good cooler you need, you know, sustainment items as far as, you know, change of clothing, rain gear, extra footwear, bring these things with you when you are traveling to class. It will only help the experience. You need to change up that footwear every day from class. Get in that second pair of shoes, the first pair may be wet, soppy, compressed. You know, the feet are hot, sweaty, tired, you know, good socks are lifesaver. Uh, people overlook all these little things. My cotton socks are great. I wear them all the time. No, dude, you need to get into some smart wars and Bridgedales or point sixes. You know, you need some good clothing. You need sunblock. You need insect repellent. You need chem lights or low light stuff. So the laundry list just. I guess we are prepping for the apocalypse. <laughs> Pretty much, brother. About the only thing we aren't taking is the generator, the kitchen sink, and some Amish. So it just is what it is. But you need to bring everything that you think you need to have to get you through those couple days on the ranges and to possibly get you through that those climate changes that do happen very quickly. I mean, I was here in Ohio back in April, and we went from 70 and sunny to 35 degrees and rain for two of those days and back up to 80 degrees. So you've got to be prepared for the worst, hope for the best, and just drive on, you know. Uh, Steve, let me ask you this. Um, Does it make a lot of sense to give your instructor a call and say, hey, I'm signed up for your class. Uh, Do I need to bring you know, this piece of gear, or is it okay if I bring that? I mean, just talking out with your instructor, is that a wise thing to do just to make sure that you're not going to show up and be uh, GI butt of everybody's jokes or um, show up and be completely unprepared because all you brought was your rifle and some ammo? Being that guy. Yeah, um, it's always wise to, you know, email the instructor or their, you know, their admin staff, which will get back to the instructor. Say, you know, hey, on your website, it says bring a second gun, you know, or have, you know, cleaning kits or whatever. You know, is that really necessary? Do I really need this? Um, you know, what are the absolutes that you must have for the class? Because, hey, I'm, I'm on a budget. I'm, I'm a single father or single mother. I've got, you know, one pistol and I really can't afford to bring a second gun. You know, I don't have one. I could borrow one, but it's not something I'm familiar with. They're very understanding about that. You, you know, ask the right questions, tell them the situation, and they will be more than happy to accommodate you with, you know, options, alternatives, and to be able to really give you the lowdown of the absolutes that you have to have. Cool. Um, hey, when I've shown up kind of at the beginning of classes before, I don't know anybody. Uh, you're kind of getting out of the car. You're nervous to pull out your guns because everyone's going to judge your blaster. You're seeing, okay, who's wearing a frog top? Who's got the civvies on? Um, yeah, I, I've, I've kind of turned that off and just dove in and tried to just meet the people there because everybody's pretty much in the same situation. Um, and so that's, that's been awesome. Just getting to know the other students in the class. You're not just standing there silent, receiving instruction all weekend, all weekend long. 
you're actually there with some other human beings. Yeah, it, it's important to get that student interaction. And, um, you know, people show up with the weirdest gear and kit and things of all natures. And I tell people, you know, when I sit students down and I start laying out the day for them and the couple of days that we're going to have, it, it becomes really easy of what are you here for? Why are you here? What are you here to take away from this class? What is the primary role of the carbine to you? And don't give me zombies because everybody knows you don't use ammo on zombies. You use a sword or a baseball bat. Ammo's for the survivors. That's all there is to it. But what, what is the realistic reason that you were here at class? And what are you preparing for? And usually, ultimately, it comes down to, well, it's my home defense gun. I'm like, all right, well, let's discuss your home defense gun. You have a white light. You've got a 30-round magazine in the gun or 28 rounds, whatever you choose to load with. So why are you wearing a plate carrier, dude? when realistically you are going to be fighting with that gun, either midday home invasion, probably with your handgun if it's on your person, or from a bunkered in position with that carbine. You know, or it's the, you know, the typical scenario, well, it's 3 a.m. in the morning and I hear breaking glass, and, you know, that's awesome, dude. So you're going to, like, get up, throw on your plate carrier, have six magazines and all this garbage on you when, again, you're grabbing the gun and you get what's with the gun. And people need to get a gut check and really start thinking about it. I mean, you look at pictures of myself teaching over the years, you'll see an evolution of things. I'm on the range in a pair of jeans, sometimes flip-flops, tennis shoes, whatever it may be. I've got magazines in my back pocket. Unless the class calls for specific, specific through a law enforcement contract, uh, mill, or a shootout where I'm required to wear armor, I'm required to wear battle belts, quote-unquote actually a duty belt when I'm working with agencies, or a duty-type holster, I'm like, you better be a class running what you wear normally every single day, show up with it, and, hey, if you don't have a sling on your carbine and that's what you have in your house, then that's what you use, dude. I don't care. All I care is about your safety, your end goal performance, what you came away with, and then hopefully a better understanding of how you will prevail in that engagement if it ever does happen in your lifetime. And that's all I want students to expect. You know, people put enough stress on themselves when they come to these classes. Like you mentioned, they're worried about what kind of kit do I have? Do I have the latest, greatest charging handle that's like three-point awesome, you know, dual-sided, tetra-coated, glide, whatever, or I don't care. I don't. I don't care if you show up with a Ruger 1022, dude. If you are there to learn and you're willing to learn and that's what you've got, bring it. Let's work with it and do work, man. Stop worrying about everybody else. Worry about you and your fight and your needs, not theirs, because they're not going home with you and they're not going to be the ones behind you helping save you when things go bad in your own world. It's that simple. Awesome. Um, now, after class, obviously – You've made some friends. You've made some contacts. Quite often there's going to be some industry people that go to these classes either to uh, show off their latest stuff, kind of give you a peek behind the curtain at, at what they've been working on, or just to train because that's what they love doing. Um, keep in touch with them for sure. Absolutely. There's a lot of good people that come to these classes, um, either other instructors, 
uh, other people in the industry who, you know, may work for XYZ gun company, ammo company, optics company, whoever it may be, keep in touch with those people, man. If they offer you their card or their contact, you know, you're sitting at dinner, we're back having a beer or two and we're talking about things, you know, that's the real true part of the class that meshes and blends. You know, it's not just so much the, the, the games and the jokes and the pranks that go on online during the downtime. Because you can't get work done during the downtime, you know, for those that really want to do this. It's the after fact, the dinner, the get togethers where everybody's hanging out, having pizza, beer, or, you know, a cigar out in the parking lot of the hotel. And they're just talking because it's just like we're all buds and we're hanging out and we're talking about things. We're having a good time. And you're like, Oh, dude, I really like to catch up on that. You know, you, you got information on that product or this, this particular one. You have a business card, you know, and, and they're flying around. And stay in touch with those people, man. Those are the key contacts that, that you will need later on to get the bottom line information about their products or others that they're dealing with that, that are pretty crucial. You know, they may have the answer to something that you don't or I don't or your other instructors don't as well. Awesome. Um, let's see. Anything else after class? I mean, obviously, you're going to be digesting your notes, uh, hopefully working on an AAR, um, figuring out, okay, did my – Walmart special sling fall apart on me. Um, gear issues, things that just didn't work. If you want to position your tacos in a different way, all well, of that. Know, I mean, I've, it's, I've it's got a, a question huge for you, Steve. Download process when you get home. So like when you're, when you're done with the course, do you expect that your students are going to take what they've, they've gotten out of the fire hose and put it to use on their own time? I, I expect them to be able to take things away from their notes, um, other things that they've learned, and, you know, kind of, you know, the takeaways. You come to class to learn about the things you don't know and to take them back and to practice those things. And unfortunately, a lot of times, too many students just come to class to practice. Hmm want somebody to give them structure to tell them what to do. That's like having a mom. They want them to tell them what to do and how to structure their life and their training to appease the instructor versus themselves. Right. Look, you come to this class to learn things. What you do with it after you leave that firing line is your problem, not mine. I will give you solutions. I will give you options. I will give you a lot of variables that may or may not help you. But what you do with that information after you get off the line is your problem, not mine. I can only do so much with you in two to three days or one day that after that, it falls back on you to go out and practice and to get proficient in those skills. So if you were going to give someone advice, because like you say, if someone's going to come to your class to practice, um, they're obviously not getting the best in terms of what you're offering. So is your advice then for them to actually go back and engage in some routine practical application of what they've absorbed to try to reinforce the things they've been taught? Absolutely. Um, you know, I tell students, you know, go out and shoot matches. You know, if it's carbine related, go out and shoot some two guns, some three gun. Uh, get some buddies together, set up some scenarios on the range. Uh, you know, have some fun, do some good relevant drills, exercises that are practical. We're not, you know, SEAL Team 57 storming somebody's fortress on Venus. You know, get past that, guys. 
there are fundamentals, there are basic manipulations, there are manual of arms manipulations on that gun are the only thing that need to be really practiced and understood to become proficient with that gun. And the biggest problem that we see, to be truthful, over the years is people that don't quote-unquote play with their gun enough. They need to get out, they need to work the guns through simple exercises, and just even doing unloading and loading drills of the gun. We'll give you all the manipulations you need to know how to work the mechanical safety, work your bolt release, work the charging handle, dust covers, unloading and loading the gun in a consistent fashion across the board is a huge help in itself, but a lot of people overlook it, especially when a stress hits. Yeah, I've heard you talk about how you could run a whole week of class and not fire a single round. Absolutely. Solving classes in the shoot house. I mean, you're, you're not really shooting to get better at shooting. No. No, absolutely not. There's problem solving and there's tasks that need to be accomplished when, and, I, and I've said it before and you were there for that one, that there's no such thing as an advanced gunfight. You know, it, it's nothing more than sights and triggers and lights and their manipulation of that gun in different environments. That's all it is. And it's done cleaner and it's done faster and it's done better. And that's all there really is. When you break it down, there's only you know, what is it, 12 to 15 ways to truly manipulate an M4, uh, about 15 ways to manipulate and work a modern semi-automatic handgun. There's no rocket surgery in this, guys. I'm telling you that right now. It's not rocket science. It's rocket surgery because rocket surgery is harder. <laughs> and you, you, you don't need to worry about all that other stupid stuff that you see that you think you may need that you will never apply. You need to work those basics. You need to get out with buddies and do those things. You need to buy a timer. You need to learn to work the gun, manipulate the gun, loading magazines from your pockets or your belt pouch. You know, it goes on and on, but it's just, it's another ending evolution and fight with guys who just, no, no, I need to learn this. I need to do this. Bro, you need to learn to hit the target first and remember mechanical offset with inside 25 yards before you start to try to do shoot house classes or before you try to do vehicle CQB. Okay. Because it's not going to work. You're going to be ineffective. You're going to be frustrated, but you're going to have a good time. The instructor's going to pat you on the back and you did great. Not everybody's a winner in this game anymore. People. Sorry. So, um, when someone finishes one of your classes, when they've, they've taken all the notes, they've paid attention, they've been really engaged, are they going to walk away with uh, a thorough understanding of their weaknesses? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to exploit them. <laughs> I'm going to be like the National Enquirer. I am going to get in your head. I am going to break down what you are doing and why, and I'm going to figure it out, and I'm going to ask you the whys, and I expect you to give me the answers to the whys. And because... Those whys help me understand what's in your head, what your reasoning is, or something that may work just for that person that later on can help me help somebody else. I will learn a lot from my students as well. There's no two ways about it. Mark of a good trainer, good teacher. You know, you learn from the students. Sooner or later, you know, the student becomes the master, vice versa kind of thing. But people just need to get that in their head that, you know, all these things happen for reasons and it all has to gel and it all has to match. But people will walk away with an understanding of what they don't know, what they need to know, because I've given them those, the hows, the whys that I feel are relevant based on my own personal experiences and usages of what works and why it works and why we do it. 
there is no tactical fantasy camp BS. It's straight down. This is what we do. This is why we do it. This is how we do it. This is why it's been done. This is how it's been shown to be done. And these things are relevant to what you are doing with that carbine right now. Cool. I think that's a good overview of kind of looking for a class, uh, getting ready for the class, going to the class, and then digesting it all when you get home. Um, so I'm, are there any other questions here that you guys have for Steve? I know I just got an email the other day about some fancy schmancy auto magical surefire and I wanted to grill him on that. Okay, what is that yes. sucker? Is that cool? Is that crazy? The new self adjusting auto light illumination indicator thingy-mabobber. Oh yeah. Baller status unlocked, dude. It's um you know, I I've heard a little bit about it. Um not for me. Here's the deal. I want a light. I want to turn on a light. I don't need the light to be smarter than me. <laughs> when I want the light, when I want the light, I want to push the button. I want the bright stuff to come on. I want to be able to see the bad man, and I want to be able to put rounds in the bad man. That's all I care about. That's yeah. it. I don't need a light to auto adjust. My aim point doesn't auto adjust. My RMR doesn't auto adjust. And th- no, I don't need it. Stupid. Anthony, you've been kind of quiet. What do you got? He's in shock right now. No, 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 no. No, um, I finally got to do my first, uh, my first three gun event. So I'm mm-hmm. going to a training thing, you know, with the kind of cost you, you're talking about is, is not something that you're going to be able to do. The average person is going to be able to do on a regular basis. So you talked about going into it with the right mindset. So you're going in to get the right, um, the right info out of the class. Um, can you suggest any specifics that you can use outside of class, like in a competition or something that can help you, um, like apply that training or better, better, uh, ways to think about your competition or your, uh, your rare outside of class routines to help you make sure you retain and, and use as much of that information from a class? Video. Video is awesome. Uh, GoPros, contours, you know, there, there's these dudes who fly these weird drones overhead, like really, really freaking out. Um, it feels like I'm having an <laughs> It's kind of like all those models on behind Reed over there. It's kind of creeping me out, dude. Um, no, honestly, it's uh, video coverage is huge. Um, you know, I have a specific video policy in certain classes for students that, hey, this video is for you. This video is for you to use to enhance, you know, diagnose your performances, performance of others. It doesn't go anywhere because it is for you. Because there's either a things out of my control. Some people have language issues, um, or there may be certain techniques or tactics or things that are being talked about or discussed that we don't want on the internet. Not because we're trying to hide things and be all super secretive, but because you know what? Bad guys watch the internet. They watch the videos as well, and we don't put that information in bad people's hands. So for me, notes performance of times that I've done for exercises and drills on the range is a big help video, you know, looking back at tapes that I've shot off either gun cameras. Um, I've shot matches, you know, two gun events where I've run a contour facing back at me and a GoPro on my head facing away. So I can actually see my manipulations where I'm working the gun, how my hands are re-indexing on things. And by no means am I an awesome competitive shooter. I'm, I've won some things. I've done some stuff. It's great. Local matches, two guns, some three gun. Enjoy the heck out of it. It is a blast. Go out and do it. 
But video, man, video is the key today. I mean, you can hook it up on your iPhone, your Bluetooth, your computer, sit down between run stages, watch your performance, see where you did something wrong. You know, the little drone thing is flying past you that somebody else is running, which is annoying. But, yeah, it's just <laughs> there's those things that will have a little help. But the other thing is seek out those dudes that are doing better than you. Ask them, hey, bro, how how do I do this this way? How does this work out for me? You know, how do you get so fast at that? Ask them the questions, man. They will be more than willing to help you out. They honestly will. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Hey, um, Thank you, sir. Steve, let me ask you, is there one indispensable thing, aside from rifle and ammunition, that is important for you to possess in any course? I mean, is there some some piece of advice that you can impart that would really kind of help someone get in and get the most out of their training. Are we talking hardware or software issues, Reed? Which are either, we talking? either or. I mean, you know, obviously there's a whole lot of mindset, but, you know, sometimes it's just making sure you're prepared otherwise. You know, you brought that up real quick, mindset. You can't turn a hawk, you know, a rabbit into a hawk, so to speak. Um, you either come in, you know, in this thing with like, hey, your head's in the right place. This is where I want to be. This is why I need to be here. That's awesome. Hardware issues, um, you know, they can absolutely enhance the performance of the class and your teaching, your, your learning ability and the amount of teaching time that comes from that because there's less downtime, less frustrations, good equipment. If you show up with subpar equipment, subpar magazines, subpar optics, yeah, that's just not going to go well for anybody. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're going to be that guy. Nobody's going to want to sit next to you in the lunchroom. They're going to beat you up and steal your milk money. It's just going to happen. All right. Get good quality equipment. Get the best of your ability. And I understand budgets. <laughs> Believe me, I really do. And But seek out information on the hardware stuff, you know, the, the, the best equipment that you can find and that you can afford. You know what? Hey, if you can't afford a $600 whatever whiz-bang optic 6000 Wonder Blaster laser sight thing, cool, dude. Look at the one that's a couple hundred bucks down that'll work. If you're really in that dire of an optic and that need of it, let's say just from a carbine training standpoint, go to a local sporting goods store, find a basic and loophole Nikon, whoever rifle or hunting scope and put it on the gun. You know, whatever it takes for you to enhance your performance in class helps. Then you can start trading up from there. Um, software issues, good mindset, prehydrating days before the class. Coming in with a clean slate, not worrying about what's going on at home, because like a lot of people we know, God, man, how do I say it without being, I'll just say it. Leave the home life problems at home when you're at class, because if you're on the phone, the iPad, the notebook, whatever it is you're doing every 10 minutes, and she's in your ear about something, or he's in your ear about something, whatever your personal choices are, I really don't care. You're not going to perform. Your brain's going to be some elsewhere. You are going to be that problem child, my safety issue, somebody else's safety issue, and it's not going to do you any good. You've just wasted a whole lot of money being there. So come in with a good, clean slate, good frame of mind, throw the phone in the car, leave it there till dinner time. Once class is over, you know, guys will be there going, I'm shooting in class. Look, book face. Nobody cares about your stupid selfie. <laughs> Get on the line and do work, dude. That's what we're here for. 
I mean, don't get me wrong. We take a lot of fun pictures on the range, and we have our good time during key times when we need to have them. But, man, bro, don't don't be sitting there every 10 minutes getting your head in something else when your head space needs to be here and focused on it. Because if it's not focused on it, obviously you don't need to be a class and be there to learn because you know everything. Parking lot. Get there. <laughs> drive away. Don't need you. Don't want you. That simple. Well, All right. So what what do you got coming up, Steve? What can you tell us about? And uh, how do people get in touch with Sentinel Concepts? Um, if after this podcast, people actually still want to come train with me, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, uh, to be brutally honest, it's a hard world. You know, I want people to come that to train that are serious, that really want to learn. Uh, SentinelConcepts.com is the website. Uh, you can find us on Sentinel Concepts on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at Sentinel underscore concepts. However, it's written out. I don't know because I have somebody who does that for me, uh, to be honest. And yeah, uh, the Alliance Police Training Facility has a list of the schedule there, uh, that we'll have. We're going to have a lot of classes there this year. There's going to be a lot of stuff coming up through the winter months in Michigan at a new indoor facility that's opening up at, uh, Ann Arbor Arms, which is absolutely outstanding. Um, but yeah, honestly, the best way will just be through the website at sentinelconceptsgmail.com or sentinelconcepts.com. You know, the Gmail is obviously a direct contact for me if anybody needs it. And hopefully people, yeah, guys, come on, train, man. That, that's important. And, you know, you need to get relevant information, relevant training. So that's what we're after. Well, Steve, we, uh, we usually give our guests an option to stick around as we go through the rest of our show. And, uh, you are, uh, more than invited to do so, but we certainly understand if, uh, you have, uh, the rest of your evening to get to. Um, so we'd be, more than happy to uh, bid you a good night and, and thank you very much for your time. So uh, what do you think? You want to hang out a little bit more? You want to get back to your I after class? I would absolutely love to. I've got like a half a dozen dudes downstairs right now with bourbon and cigars waiting on me. Mm. Yes. Yeah, we, we can't compete finish, with that. we got to finish that four-day shoot house the right bourbon, way. Bourbon. Yeah, brother. We're going to wrap it up. I would love to stay and hang out with you guys, but let's definitely do it another time. I appreciate you guys having me here. It's been awesome. And yeah, you know, anytime we can talk guns and shop and I can ramble on, I'm down with that. So. All right. Always a pleasure, man. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you. Thank, thank you guys. You it was awesome. Meet Thanks, fellas. Go away. Why are you guys still there? <laughs> well, I think you might have to hang up on us, Steve. Oh, great. Now you're going to tell me how to work my own computer. Thanks, pal. Don't need to hear any smart talk from you, mister, just because you're so smart and run your own podcast. Hey, no, honestly, guys, I appreciate it. I'll talk to you all soon. All right. Thanks, folks. Where's the hanging up button? Which one makes it stop? Just close the window. It will go Where's, away. Which window? Which button does that? Night, guys. All the buttons. <laughs> all, the buttons. <laughs> all the buttons, bro. All the buttons. Press them all. Press them all. There he is. There, there he goes. Awesome. All right. Uh, Anthony, why don't you take us through Otis this week? <laughs> All right, so Otis Technology, the fine folks over there, have sent us, as you guys know, a mountain of rifle maintenance tools and cleaning kits for the AR-15 AR-10, and that is cluttering up space over at Reed's Place, I know. But uh, we have sent out a few, so hopefully that uh, clutter is getting a little less for Reed. Oh, it's getting a and lot we less. We have been got a lot less, yes. So we have been tasked with giving all of this wonderful gear away. So we have been posting over on our Facebook page uh, and on Instagram uh, in May, but right now we're over on Facebook. 
to, uh, posting posts for you guys to get a chance to win some of the awesome products that they're letting us give away. Reed, we've got what the, the that brand new star uh, chamber cleaning tool. Yes, sir. Is some yes. is one of the things we're giving away. Absolutely. I noticed bone tool. Yeah, and I think uh, even once a month we've got a cleaning kit. We're giving That's away. right. Is that right. And I and I want to let the listeners know that it is only one cleaning kit during the month. It's yep. the giveaway, the drawing in the middle of the month, closest to the fifteenth. So I know that we've got a couple of listeners who uh, who thought they won a cleaning kit who were kind of end-of-the-month guys. So I want to tell you I'm sorry if you got misled by Anthony, but you know, I no. can give you his home no, address so you can give him it's a visit. It's all my fault. <laughs> I can take it. All right. So uh, we are giving away all this really cool gear. Um all the way up until the end of the year. So then we've got, at the end of the year, a complete Otis Technology Elite Cleaning System that we'll give away to uh, one lucky listener. Um. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll go ahead and let the dog get through his fit and uh, relieve Anthony of uh, further embarrassment. So, uh, J.W., I'm going to start here with uh, Dan V. Uh, right. He sent in a pic to the Facebook account of his first AR build. And so he says he kept it basic, but he's prouder than heck of himself for doing it all from scratch. And he had no experience with guns. And you know, I think really that's the, that's the thing that I have always wanted to get back from the listeners. That, that sense that, that we're helping them or that we're a part of their journey to be able to build a rifle from scratch, and have that sense of pride, because I don't think there's anything like it. So uh, Dan goes on to describe it as uh, an AR with an Anderson lower. He got a surplus ammo rifle kit, and he says it's a Seattle-based company. And uh, I think that's says, what my S- SBR lower is. Is it? Yeah. So he says a buddy of his uh, that he teaches with, and he bought identical kits with a YouTube video, and with a YouTube video, uh, built their ARs. He says, very cool, very fun. Uh, he said the scope is off of an old Mosin kit he bought, but it might as well be a Schmidt and Bender to him. So now Close that he's uh, acclimated to the builds, he's going to continue to do more. He thinks an AR-10 would be fun. He says, how about a podcast with build info, particularly to those building their first AR-10? JW, we have that kind of in the works, don't we? Yeah, that's a great idea. I ran into a guy who runs um, one of the AR-10 websites, uh, one of the big forums online at SHOT Show at one of the parties, and he would love to be on sometime. So I think we'll definitely have to do that as a show. And, you know, I think we do have a show in the back catalog, but, geez, that's probably that's over a year or so, I think. That might mm-hmm. be a very old one. But, yeah, I think yeah, I mean, the price has been coming down on those like oh, crazy. Yeah. Need to definitely revisit that. Now is Dan V is this the same Dan V that left us a uh, voicemail? Hmm. It might be, but I couldn't swear to that, so don't make me do that. Uh okay. why don't you play our uh, uh speak pipe uh plug-in voicemail uh and we'll just kind of include it here. Sure. Hey guys, this is Dan V. Just uh, a follow-up on the uh, 22 dedicated upper that I mentioned in uh, the email that you guys uh, put on your show on your last episode. 
I guess technically it's a 28-round uh, magazine, two of them that come with uh, the Chiapa. It's no longer in sale. It's, still, it's about $186, I think, now on Bud's Gun Shop. You're right. When I said Bud's, I was referring to Bud's Gun Shop, and I still think it's a really good price. I noticed that some of the comments of other people that reviewed it said that they had some issues, but I'm not sure what kind of ammo they're running. As you know, just typical brick of ammo, 22LR junk is uh, not very reliable, but running the higher quality stuff, I've had very few problems, and it was a lot of fun. And I've uh, doing a lot of training with it and just a Having a lot of enjoyment with it. Anyway, have a good one. Bye. I would say that is not the same Dan. Our Dan V in the feedback, uh, written feedback, uh, seems to be just at the beginning of his learning curve and uh, getting started. And our uh, voicemail seems to be a little bit further along. So, well, thanks uh, to both of the Dans for uh, giving us some feedback. So, uh, yeah, for sure. Last week, uh, I had an opportunity to get on Handgun Radio with uh, Ryan Machad, and we yes. uh, talked about uh, my other great love and appreciation, which are Glock pistols, or not Glock pistols, uh, SIG pistols. Yeah, yeah, buddy. Audio you clip. Audio you clip. Because I am a big SIG fan. So we uh, we spent the evening talking about SIGs, and uh, Michael C. wrote in. He says, uh, hey, Reed, I just listened to you on... Handgun Radio Podcast, which is one of my favorites. I live in Grand Prairie and own a P938 and a P250, both of which I love. He says the 938 is daily carry gun, and if he, and if I want to shoot these, uh, just let him know. He says he can meet me somewhere and turn me loose on them and anything else he has. Looks like he's got a 1911. Walter. An STI 1911. Nice. You know, I've never seen a Firestar 45. I'm not sure what that is. But, um, you know, Michael, uh, thanks for writing in, and thanks for the invitation. I may very well uh, take you up on that. My wife's got some family out there uh, in Granbury, and I think I would probably drive through Grand Prairie on the way, so maybe we could work something out someday. Nice. Um, so Joel Frederick gave us some, what is that, live fire, Anthony, the... Yep, feedback we on get on the website. Um, he says, great job. The intro is good. The podcast audio quality is noticeably improved. And we are always happy to hear that kind of feedback because we, as one of our listeners pointed out, are gun guys, not audio engineers. So we're doing our very best to give you something with some quality. Uh, but sometimes we just don't quite get there. JW, want you to take Austin. Yeah, Austin says, hey, first off, let me say I'm a huge fan of the show. Really appreciate the content you provide. I've used a number of the pointers you gave during my first build a couple months ago, which I posted and tagged you in on Instagram under my lightweight 5.5-pound AR. But now I'm looking at three more builds, one in the works and two in planning. Current one in progress is a DPMS pattern AR-10 uh, in 308, obviously, with a 16-inch barrel. He's trying to be very light and accurate, possibly adding a 6.5 upper to it later on. Says the next two are a six and a half Grendel and a heavy hitter, kind of like a 450 Bushmaster or 458 SOCOM. Uh, he was looking for our input on the best route to go as far as accuracy, parts availability and cost for the Grendel and for the heavier build. 
As well, it would be great to get advice on what I can do to improve accuracy other than buying the most expensive parts or an already built gun. In conclusion, he says um, we should talk to Steve at Citizen Arms for an interview. He says he's bought a couple ARs from him in different calibers, and uh, he really knows what he's doing as far as putting together an accurate build. With his uh, 7.62 by 39 build, he was getting under three quarters of an inch at 100 yards. Um, so I don't know where you track down good ammo for that, but must be must be quite a build. Um, all of these are with factory loads, none of the huge heavy contour guns, which is why um, he'd love hearing his input along with ours. Um, thanks for the great show, and please keep them coming. Well, you know, he, he asked a question here earlier in the main part. Other than cost, um, what can you do to improve accuracy? And, you know, cost is a, a big factor. I mean, obviously, time and attention to detail being the things that will elevate the you know, factors that go into accuracy from, you know, mass production to the other side of it. I mean, I would definitely say that you're going to have to invest in some tools because there are some things that you can do to make your build better, but, I mean, it's preparation. You know, like uh, you can, there's a device that will hone the mating point for your barrel and your upper receiver. Well, if you're going to build one rifle, you're going to have to add that tool's cost to the cost of your build. And so, I mean, once again, cost is a factor there. But I think what it comes down to is just preparation. Um, if you prepare all of the pieces, if you're diligent in that preparation component, I think you can wring extra accuracy from any rifle build. And... uh I think that's probably a key to most any project when it comes to firearms. The more preparation you put into it, I think the better the result is going to be and the more satisfied you're going to be. JW, you got any thoughts on that? I'm not a big precision AR builder myself. I haven't taken the plunge, so I I don't want to steer him wrong. But you're an engineer. Tell me, isn't preparation key? Oh, for sure, for sure. All right. Um, you know, I think we'll, uh, reach out and see if we can't get, uh, a chance to talk to, um, the guys at Citizen and see what they can, uh, what they can share with you guys, the listeners. So thanks for that feedback, Austin. Anthony, you ready to take a, you take bet. us through our social media feedback? You got it, man. Our uh, first piece of feedback tonight from social media comes from Facebook, and it's uh, from Chai Force Media Catapult. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but uh, they write in, Thanks for all the great info interviews with Josh Waldron. I have hearing loss from a lifetime of hunting. Great show, guys. So thank you for writing in, Chai Force. We do yeah, appreciate that's a good that. point. I mean, this whole battle over trying to legalize silencers on a wider basis, yep. that's what it's all about. It's a safety issue. Exactly. 100% agreed. So then we've got another piece of feedback from Randall F., and if you've been on our page, you know who exactly that is. Uh, with the massive popularity of The Walking Dead, 
you would think that if they re-released the Colt Python, it would single-handedly rescue that company. Of course, he's talking about the big piece of news that uh, came out uh, actually yesterday that it was going to happen this morning, that uh, Colt went into uh, Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Thoughts, guys? I am in no way worried, as uh, long as whoever reconstitutes Colt knows what they're doing. So, uh, Freedom Arms, uh, stay away, please. Oh, but do you want a Colt Python if they re-release it? Um, I don't think I need a Colt Python if they re-release it. I think uh, I think there's one in the family inheritance. Uh, I just have to outlive oh. everybody. Oh, no, maybe it's two. JW. I think there's two. Eh. 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 Okay, I'm you the know, only. Uh... It is the AR-15 podcast. There is a reason that. It's not called the Colt Python, you know, Joy Luck Club. Okay, so the next piece of feedback we have. I mean, if we're just picking Rick Grimes blasters, <laughs> I, I'd probably go for a um, Maglite silencer. I mean, I oh, saw yeah. he upgraded to the Osprey later on, but Thank goodness. doing the whole Maglite can would be pretty sweet. Yeah, there's a compulsion in me that says going out and form one uh, building – one of those would be an awesome thing to do, except for the fact that I'm not a machinist and have no skills whatsoever. Oh, man, there are videos that tell you exactly what size washers to buy. <laughs> now now we're treading on, uh, what is that, those proposed ITAR First Amendment regulations? Oh, but I didn't say what kind to buy. Oh, man. As long as we it's dance too- around it and don't actually give the instruction, I think we're okay. Yeah, yeah. I won't even. Right. Okay, I, they're they're yeah. I'll looks try. like we're looks like we're getting into Instagram feed, Instagram feedback here. Um, Dylan says that he is attending a carbine training course this afternoon. He's got a double rifle case packed tight with two rifles, two rifles that he cleaned the night before like a ritual. He says this morning when he went to retrieve the case, he looked at the patch that was affixed and felt a swell of pride as it reminded him that he built both of the rifles inside. He's got this patch on his case with a mallet and a armorer's tool kind of crossed against it. So it's very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Dylan, tell us where you got that patch. I'd like one of those. Yeah, that's cool. So you know what? Once again, it touches on the core of why we're here. And you know, I think that that reminds me that you know, look, you listen to the show. If you have wisdom you want to share, share it. If you have pointers, if you have pictures, if you have anything you want to add, just sending us a picture of something you built or something you're doing, hey, it's all part of the tapestry we're weaving here. And every one of us are contributing because every one of us in our participation makes the whole that much better, that much stronger. The next piece comes from... uh Big Biller, he was one of our, our winners in the previous weeks, and he's continued to follow up on us with uh, several photos, and I grabbed one of them here. And this is um, one of his uh, lowers that he's finished out there. Um, I think he said he used a Dremel on this. That's a nice, clean job, doesn't it look like? Yeah, he went the 80% route, and uh, yep. that you're right. That's pretty clean for a Dremel. Good job. Yeah, he may have had more than just Dremel, but he, I think he may have finished oh, off some of the stuff. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a new uh, user sending in some feedback. Rebel AR15 uh, sent us a picture of some steel that's obviously been pegged pretty heavily with AR hanging from 
uh, the tag right in front of the steel. It's really kind of a cool picture. You guys ought to take a look at the show notes and see this pic. <clears throat> he I says, took one almost exactly like that at the range with my my uh, key mod AR after I painted it camo. But, I mean, they, they did a good job here. It looks like they pulled the strobes out. They had a little photo shoot. It's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, talk all the technical photography stuff there from JW. Yeah. Well, I'm so Rebel Arms Corp. What that barrel, what the muzzle device on that is. Any clue? Well, uh, it looks like the kind that the, uh, like the Mark 12 takes on the AEM cans. It's got like a thread protector back behind the brake. But, uh, I don't know. That's actually too far forward for one of those. That's like part of the brake. Yeah, but isn't that a surefire muzzle device for attaching to their can that's on the uh, Mark 12? Is it, am I getting that uh, one right? Is... No, it's, it's kind of a dedicated can on those. But this one, I'm not sure who does that. If it's like a Thunder Beast or something like that, it's a di- direct thread style that goes mm-hmm. over the top of a brake. Oh, I see um, what you're saying. So it's, that's cool. Nice build. Um, what do we have next? Oh, there's one that I took at the, at the class last weekend. Pew, pew, pew. Yeah. Now that's yeah. not you, JW, is it? No, no, that's not me. That's another student. He was running a Saker, and I got a shot right when the kind of the muzzle flash inside the can was lighting up the path of the bullet, so you can kind of see the the bullet zipping right out of the can. That's really a cool photo, man. Yeah, I love the Saker. That's an awesome. Now, you see, I would expect that that that's what I would look like without the helmet. I'd be wearing my tactical girdle uh, (laughs) with a couple of tacos to it. <laughs> Sweet. But that's all right. When you when you guys get a little older, well, Anthony, you're already a little older, but yeah, I am. <laughs> um, here's a here our last piece of feedback comes from a somebody that ought to be a familiar face to at least the three of us. And um, if you guys have not checked out uh, Gun Guy Radio before, um, you probably wouldn't know who this is, uh, unless I'm wrong. That does look like our illustrious leader, does it not, folks? Well, you know, I would That's want to hole. say yes, except for he's got an empty magazine in his Kydec. So uh what is that about? I mean, shouldn't that have a, at least 28 rounds? But I don't know. Yeah, so anyway, this feed, piece of feedback does come from uh, at Gun Guy Radio on Instagram, and uh, it is more than likely Jake in the photo. I'm about 99.999% sure. He says, experimenting with some Kydex, maybe another new company around the corner, and he tagged us in the picture. So um, be aware, guys. Um, Arms Radio Network may be getting into some Kydex business, perhaps, it looks like. Well, all right. So uh, once again, guys, uh, I think we've uh, come to the end of the show. Having Steve on was great, and so, J.W., thanks for getting that lined up. Uh, uh, listeners, uh, we all owe J.W. a, a round of applause for uh for that and uh the guys are uh really getting their hands uh dirty and and getting some good people on here so um we're gonna keep putting them to the test and uh hopefully uh they'll be able to get this thing uh ratcheted up to a higher quality than i've been able to do because i'm sure you're all tired of me and what i do so um well and you can tell us how tired you are of reading (laughs) By sending us any questions or comments to feedback at ar15podcast.com. You can also send us a recorded voicemail uh, by using the SpeakPipe plugin on the right-hand side of the AR15 website. Um, Yeah, exactly. 
listen to us, uh, subscribe to our channel for free over on iTunes or on Stitcher, uh, where you can also leave us reviews, let us know how we're doing, uh, and help other people find the show. If you share your pictures with us, uh, either on Instagram, just like these last couple guys did, um, tag us as at AR15podcast or just use a hashtag, same thing, hash AR15podcast. Check us out over on Periscope uh, for quick live videos from cool events or casual conversations about ARs. And uh, you can watch us live over on Google+, Plus, where we broadcast Monday nights starting at right around 9.30 Eastern. Um, and over on YouTube is where these videos end up, along with other, other videos that we put together and post up. I know I'm going to put a few clips together from uh, last week's Home Defense Long Gun course just to give you a kind of a quick look at what some of the guys were running. Uh, just search for us. Uh, we're at youtube.com slash C slash AR15 podcast. Anthony, I know this is your baby. Yes, we are all over Facebook. Uh, so make sure you come over and uh, follow our page, like our page over on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash AR15 podcast. And as always, guys, the Farms Radio Network is not just us, um, though you might think it is. Uh, it's actually quite a lot of other podcasts, so head over to farmsradio.tv and check out all of the other great podcasts available to you there. Don't forget to use our Brownells affiliate link for all of your AR-15 parts. That really helps us out, guys. AR15podcast.com forward slash parts, and you'll get directed over to the Brownells website. And for everything else, everybody buy us from Amazon. Use the AR15podcast.com affiliate links, or even easier, go to farmsradio.tv forward slash Amazon, and it'll direct you over to Amazon, and we get a little teeny tiny piece to help us out and make sure that all the gears keep running and everything keeps going. Well, and uh, when it comes to uh, my involvement with the network, uh, just so that you can realize I am not a one-trick pony, you can always go over to the handgun radio and listen to my guest appearance there, but more importantly... Listen to Ryan Machad, who uh, puts on a great show, uh, and in fact, uh, he was even singled out by uh, Hickok45 with, uh, yes, he I was. think, what was a remarkable compliment. So, uh, Ryan does a great job, and uh, I think it's always a good listen. So, um, with that, guys, uh, listeners, have a good week, and we will catch you once again, uh, unless uh, we're shut down by ITAR regulations, but... Either way, have a good evening. Talk to you later, guys. See ya. Are you looking for an extraordinary daily carry option? Look no further. Car Arms is giving away a P9 with night sights right here on the Firearms Radio Network. It's Car's EDC drawing. To enter, simply become a Patreon of any Firearms Radio Network show. Current patrons are automatically entered. But wait, there's more. Key bar, hellbent holsters, alien gear holsters, Precision Ear and more have ponied up to enhance your EDC loadout. 
See all of these awesome prizes and more ways to enter at firearmsradio.tv slash EDC. This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.